we're back. Back, back again. Yes. Uh, we took a few weeks off because um, as much as I do definitely believe mental health is important, uh, I wasn't listening to myself. Sometimes you got to practice what you preach. Yeah, you do. Uh, don't get so busy that you don't listen to yourself because you should. Yeah. Uh, but that being said, we are back. We did not just leave for good. Uh, we didn't ghost or anything like that. No. We would never. Uh, we would never. ghosting sucks. It really does. Uh, do people even say ghosting anymore? I think so. Okay. Uh, if I'm, people I'm are still hip. dating, people are still ghosting. That's true. It's probably never going to go away, which yeah. is really sad. Yeah. But anyway, we did digress. Always lingering, just like a ghost. Yes. Uh, we do have new episodes coming up for you. This one we actually recorded a few weeks ago. I'm referring to it as the lost episode because it actually was lost on my computer for a second, too. <laughs> It, I couldn't find it. It was it was a whole thing. Uh, but it's here. The last episode is here. So we're going to continue with our regularly scheduled programming. Uh, we might take a week or two off here and there because, you know, full time jobs. They get in the way of things sometimes. Absolutely. Yeah. But uh, we're so glad you're here and enjoy. Yeah. Welcome back to Detroit Strange. This podcast. That you're listening to. Thanks for being here. Yeah. We got Alex on that side. And Jess over there. That's us. Yeah. I actually have an update from last week real quick. Yes, you were telling me. I'm intrigued to see what it is. I mean, it's it's not big news, but we were talking about Eber Ward. Yes. Clara's father mm. and how he, one of his investments was into an island that had silver in it. Uh-huh. And I told you it was in Thunder Bay. Uh-huh. And you had asked, I think, if it was um, Isle Royale. Yeah. It is definitely not Isle Royale because... I do forget there's other islands. Yeah. Well, Isle Royale is about 206 acres, and the one I was talking about was 14. Yeah. <laughs> but also, I did find out it was called Silver Islet. Okay. And That's a fun name. it's in Canada, actually. Okay. Uh, so it's kind of... Further, it's across Lake Superior. Yeah. Uh, and yeah, so that that's where they found the like huge vein of silver that made a lot of people very rich, apparently. People still look for silver there, but I don't, they think there might be other hidden pockets, but. This actually just came up in a show I'm watching. Oh, weird. Have, have we talked about the Gilded Age at all? Yes, you talked about it a lot last week. Okay, then I'll keep it short, but like. I remember, no, that the, was not a like, oh. but you mentioned it quite a bit. But they put on a new episode this week. One of the characters talked about how like he sunk a copper mine in the UP or something like that. And that's like one of the main, like one of his sources of income. Like, hey, I heard of that. Okay. Yeah. That's a pretty good income. Yeah. He's one of the Richie Rich people on the show. First of all, congrats to him. Yeah. But yeah. So Gilded Age, love it. And I was kind of like, okay, if I love this, maybe I'll love Downton Abbey. So I tried to start that this week and I watched the first episode. And? I haven't w gone back for episode two yet. Doesn't mean I won't. Mm -hmm. uh, if you're listening to this and you have strong feelings either way, let me know. <laughs> because interested but not motivated to keep going. But yeah. also, I just, uh, you know, period pieces. Kind of into them right now. Yeah, you've said that, yeah. Also, like, uh, I started the... Elizabeth Holm docuseries on, mm. I guess, 
I don't know if it's a docuseries, but like a drama. It's the Amanda Seyfried one on um, Seyfried, Seyfried. I don't know. Seyfried, I think. Yeah. Her. She's playing Elizabeth Holmes in the Hulu series called Dropout, The Dropout. Oh, interesting. Yeah. There's three episodes out right now. I don't know why I just recently become just fascinated by the story because it's not a new story, this Elizabeth Holmes. No, but I mean, it doesn't I think make it happened, less fascinating. Yeah. Like I found this like YouTube channel that like talks about like science and that kind of stuff. Yeah. And they had like a 24 minute long overview of the story. Mm-hmm. She founded Theranos, I think, when she was, like, 19. Okay. And yeah, I knew it was, like, ridiculous. So, like, she's early 20s. Mm-hmm. Have you ever heard her talk? Because I hadn't heard her talk I until... I don't think so. She, like, deepens her voice like this. Oh. And she's, like, a 23-year-old woman who sounds like this. And she's just, like, you know, people do this when you try and change the world. They think you're crazy, and then you, you know, they fight you, and then you change the world. What? There's like, and then there was this clip from a podcast where she dropped out of it for like a couple seconds, then like brought it back down when she realized she was like, yeah, I just think that like, and it's just like, girl, what are you doing? The series is interesting because I think they're being a little more sympathetic than I thought they're going to with Mm -hmm. her. And I'm not necessarily mad at it. I think it's highlighting interesting hurdles, especially in like the tech and startup world that women have to go through. Yeah, I can see the angle there of like she started this with great intentions and got some mad advice and kind of just like just crumbled under the pressure and just Mm -hmm. kind of just like got in too deep because again, she was like in her early 20s. Like with this company that just slow, like she got $6 million at like 20 for this company. And you also have to think about it in the context too of like brains aren't developed by then. Yeah. They got a, a few more years to go. So she was just trying to fit in or establish herself in some dominant yeah. way in that space that is not right. friendly uh, towards women. Right. As particularly young women. Yeah. So it, it's not great. No. But I, I can also see how somebody could end up, um, at least when you're talking about things like lowering the voice and stuff like that, I can see how somebody could end up right changing themselves in ways that they shouldn't. Yeah. But either way, no matter how you feel, it's an interesting story and everyone's fucking having their take at it right now because there's this Hulu miniseries and then I heard there's talks with. So the Hulu miniseries is based off of an ABC podcast series called Out for Blood Mm -hmm. because, of course, Mm -hmm. how could they not use the pun? Yeah. But there's also an HBO Max documentary called Bad Blood based off the book Bad Blood about the situation. And there's talks of that book becoming a movie starring Jennifer Lawrence playing her. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I'm just very interested of who they're picking to play her. I think Amanda Seyfried was a great choice. Yeah, I can see that. She's selling it. Yeah. I'm buying what she's selling as long as it's not Theranos. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. I haven't really watched anything new since last week because I was just finishing Euphoria for the most part. And wow, that show. The, the editing is so artistic and cool. Like, they do a lot of really cool artsy things in it. How would you say it stacks up to, like... Because it's kind of in that, like, tre- teen drama space, right? Sort of. Like-ish. Sort of. Okay. I mean, it's definitely, like, a teen... The teens are the, the main... Most yeah. of the main characters in the movie... In the movie, in the show. Like, how would you say it compares to something like Pretty Little Liars? Never watched it. Okay. 
Uh, so much better. Okay. Because I had that's uh, that's one I have experience with. Okay. Because th- there was a phase where in college, two of my roommates were like obsessed with Pretty Little Liars, and so mm-hmm. I like would catch bits and pieces. Yeah. Um, or like Riverdale. Have you seen Riverdale? No. Okay. I loved the first season mm-hmm. of Riverdale, and then I had to wait for the second season and just lost interest. And that happens with so many shows where I'm just like waiting too long for a season and I just forget about it. And then when I remember, yeah. it, I'm like, eh, I don't feel like going back because I don't remember what happened in the first season. I don't care enough to look it up. I think that's why I kind of wait sometimes multiple seasons Fair. to get into a show because I'm Fair. like, let's see if this is going to stick and like how people feel about the second season. Yeah. Because I have invested in many series that did not continue that I've enjoyed. So, and then other than that, I just watched the Love is Blind 2 reunion. Nice. <laughs> which uh, I know I already told you, but it is wild. I bet. Netflix, like, I feel like they've kind of been killing the the reality TV game lately. Like, I wasn't expecting yeah. this from them. They have been for a while. They kind of snuck in there, but I know. Was they, the, would you say the circle was like kind of the first big one? No, no. It was the, what was before that? No, they've had other big ones before. Oh, they had too hot to handle. I remember that for like a, being a blip, kind of. Yeah, I don't know. If, that was I, just like the hot one where like they couldn't fuck. Sorry, I was just thinking. You're good. They had the Alexa to shame them from having sex. I'm trying to remember if selling from. Sunset is exclusively Netflix. I think it is, and that's. Oh yeah, that one's that's like four seasons in. There's also that one, the Bling Empire, about yeah. like the crazy rich Asians in real life kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. They've there's a ton of them. There's a yeah. ton, there's so many. There's no way one human knows all their reality shows. Right. I feel like just in general, Netflix sometimes has a problem of like getting the news about their shows out there or like portraying their shows accurately and in a way that makes it me interested. Because in, like, there's been so many shows or like movies where I'm like. Oh, if you would have told me that's what it was about, I would have been interested in this. They're putting out so much. I don't think that they. Yeah. I don't think they put a lot of investment into that department. And I think they hope it's just going to be by word of mouth. Because honestly, that's how you expand anything. Yeah. Because with the word of mouth, it comes with a a personal recommendation. Yeah. Yeah. That's why I love, honestly hearing that somebody was recommended this show. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that's a, the Oh, I love that too. Highest compliment. Yeah. Of like, oh, wow. Okay. Thank you. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't make any drinks for this episode. Nothing fancy. I got some truly teas though. Truly. It's truly great. Truly, it's truly great. <laughs> truly wonderful. Yes. Non-sponsored. If you truly, if you would like to slide to the DMs, but only for truly tea or punch. The lemonades are okay. Yeah, they're not my my jam. Yeah. I just like these clearing out that carbonate. Anyway, we've yeah. talked about that before. I have something we haven't talked about. I have a story for you. You ready for a story? I am very ready for a story. So I did my story today about the old Wayne County building. Downtown. Okay. You're familiar with it, correct? So the like kind large of. old looking building with the horses on it, like the statue, like very ornate, just the one that looks out of place downtown. Okay. Yeah. I literally wrote the big old building with the horses on it downtown. What road is that on? Uh, Do you know? I think. Let me look. I'm just geographying in my head. Past Cadillac. It's like between Cadillac Square and the Rensen. Okay. 600 Randolph. So it's on Randolph. Okay. Then it's definitely the one I'm thinking of. So that is the building I'm talking about. And 
When it was completed in 1902, it was, quote, one of the most sumptuous buildings in Michigan. Ooh, sumptuous. Sumptuous. And it was originally built as the Wayne County Courthouse. Okay. Well, let's get into it. Which has come up in many of our stories. Yeah. 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 I mean, time period specific to when it would have been used for that. Yeah. Yeah. So first, I want to talk about its predecessor, which I'm affectionately calling the old, old Wayne County building. Okay. And that was originally at Griswold and Congress. It was a two-story brick structure that opened in 1845, mm-hmm. which was okay at the time, but the po- like the population of the city in 1840 was like just over 9,000. Mm-hmm. But a decade later, the population had over doubled to 21,000. Yeah. And on top of its size not being enough for the rapidly growing city, it was kind of shoddily made. And just like 14 years into its life, the entire south wall of the building collapsed. Oh, no. Yeah, I guess they were doing like construction next door. They're like digging cellars for like stores that are about to go next door and just gone. Yeah, the south wall fell off and like in the process, taking out the probate judge offices and the register of deeds. Nothing you need, you know. Paperwork was great back then anyway. What's this oh, it was so do? good. Yeah. yeah. Great record keeping. Yeah. That wall was just like, see ya. Yeah. Uh, the free press did not hold back how they felt about this building at the time. I have a quote from an article and it stated that the building, quote, has long been an eyesore besides being an inconvenient and unsuitable building for the purposes for which it was designed. Ooh. And basically we're like, don't repair it. Just start over. It's garbage. I mean, okay. Sometimes that happens, I guess. Do you think it worked? No. Nope. <laughs> the building was repaired, but it didn't, you know, the population was still booming. So it was like a bandaid on a bullet wound. Yeah. Uh, so now we're jumping to like 1870. The population had just increased by four times to what it was in 1850. It's now around 80,000 people. Okay, yeah. And so in 1871, the old city hall was built and all the county offices and courts moved into it. So that was like their interim solution. Like, let's build a new city hall mm-hmm. and we'll just put everything there. And this like seemed to work for two decades And the city's population boomed again, though. And by 1890, the population was just over 205,000. Wow. Which is crazy to think about, like, the, like, gradual growth of the city. Can you imagine a Detroit with a population of 9,000 people? No. It's crazy. Not at all. I mean, like, part of it, too, is that it would have been more centralized. Yeah. People would have just had land, I guess. Yeah. But, No. The fact that people in their lifetime could see that much growth in a city is bonkers. Yeah. yeah. So, like I said, the population's growing. Old City Hall's not enough. So, like, how do we solve this problem? And they were like, do we add another floor? Do we add, like, an, a, like an addition? Ultimately, they decided, you know what? I think the county just needs its own building again. Mm-hmm. And so that's when they started building Old Wayne. Okay. Not to be confused with the Old Wayne building at Wayne State. Okay. So from the jump, the project was marred with controversy. Of uh, course. As there always is. Yeah. There were disagreements over the plans for the new building. There were allegations of overpaying for the land by $50,000, which adjusted for inflation is $1.27 million. Wow. 
at some point, almost 100,000 pounds of steel and iron went missing from the project. What? How does that go missing? Girl, especially That's back heavy. then. What do you do? Do you get a horse to just like slowly? That's, yeah. Yeah. I wonder if it was Bessemer steel. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Sorry, I still got that in my brain. I can't remember the year of that, though. 18 something. Yeah. There are also allegations that the city's auditors were not keeping financial tabs on the project. Controversy also about the steelwork. Originally, it was supposed to be done in Detroit, but it ended up that none of it was done in Detroit. Oh, weird. And lastly, there are accusations lodged at the contractor for the project, a man by the name of M.J. Griffin, that he double charged for some things and wasn't using the quality of supplies that were paid for. Like one of the examples was they paid for six cut granite, but they used four cut granite. Okay, so just cutting corners. Yeah. To put a few bucks in his pocket. Probably. Yeah. All around a typical Detroit construction shit show. Yeah, it sounds like it. Yeah. But it would start with the cornerstone laying ceremony on October 20th, 1897. And the building took about just under five years, like nine days short of five years to the day. Okay. So on October 11th, 1902, there was a parade from Old City Hall to the new building to kind of like, we're moving. (laughs) Because I guess that's what you did in the early 1900s. You just had parades for that. I mean, did people help carry stuff during the move? Because I can see that being a good advantage. Just kind of like have like a, you know, like a fireman's line of like passing the bucket. But it's just like, yeah, exactly. Here's a wardrobe. And yeah. like, uh, I don't even know what like office supplies would be like in the early 1900s. Do they have a ty- quill like typewriters? Do they have typewriter? Uh, I think they were beyond quills. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe, I think they maybe they had pencils. I think they had pencils by then. Well, yeah. Paper. Uh, I don't yeah. know. Scrolls. <laughs> They definitely had wax seals. Oh, for sure. So whatever office supplies, they moved to the new building. Mm-hmm. And so just some stats about the building. When it was first built, it was 44,625 square feet. There were 18 courtrooms and 145 other rooms. It impo- occupies, like I mentioned earlier, an entire city block. And there's a lot of symbolism in the art on the building because like it's a very ornate building, especially compared to the rest of the downtown now. Yeah. Um, so above the main entrance is a frieze of General Anthony Wayne, the namesake of the county. Each entrance to the building, there are figures representing knowledge and power. And as you kind of like look up the main tower, you'll find symbols of agriculture, commerce, law and mechanics and technology. Okay. This is reminding me a lot of like Masonic yeah. symbols. Yeah. Not quite as off the chain as the Masonic temple no, where but it's a like lot number of, of steps and like. No, no, no. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But like just the, the. Yeah, like hiding meaning. Mm-hmm. There was also symbolism in having four entrances and all four sides of the building kind of trying to represent the openness of government, which sure, Jan. Oh. Yeah. And one of the most distinguishing features of the building was its pair of sculptures depicting a quadrige, quadrige, Roman chariots led by four horses. Okay. And one thing that kind of surprised me about the statues is they were depicting progress. And the like the predominant figures in the chariots were women. It was like women leading these chariots, which I thought was kind oh, of cool. Yeah. But also for the times, weird. I mean, I guess just like the female form. Maybe. I don't know, but it was a deliberate choice. Yeah. 
for sure. Yeah. You know, I, maybe it was purely just the aesthetic. beauty of a woman. Yeah. And I couldn't find more about it, but yeah. I just thought it was cool. Yeah. But taxpayers were not thrilled about it because they were expensive. Oh. So I guess they cost about 50000 then, which <gasps> would be about $1.5 today. Oh, no. Because they were like cast bronze sculptures. Yeah. Still contentious because around 2007, 2006, the sculptures were restored by Detroit's own Venus Bronze Works to the tune of 570000 to restore Holy them. Holy moly. Yeah. It, like around that time, too. We really were, you know, oh. spending half a mil on statues. In well, 2006, I, I mean, mean that was two years really before or yeah. a few years before everything true so true it was you know that's the reason it happened yeah because we spent that money on the sculptures that is the only reason <laughs> 2008 happened yeah nationally yes <laughs> these statues they were taken away in 2006 or 7 to be restored and they returned late 2009 just in time for the building to close oh wow but we'll get to that later Let's talk about the building's life before we get to its death. Okay. So court was now in session and the first case to be tried in the new building was William G. Bradburn versus Wabash and Piermaquette Railroads. Oh, interesting. Yeah, I guess William was injured while working on the railroad all the live long day. Mm -hmm. And the oddest part about this story, like I couldn't find anything about the results, but I could find that the jury of the case decided that they would celebrate the 10-year anniversary of this case with a banquet. Huh. And they're like, you know what? That first trial, we should celebrate banquet. with a banquet as the jury. They must have felt they did something real good then. I, you know, props to them. They chose correctly in their eyes, whatever that choice was. Yeah. I mean, a banquet's always nice, I guess. Depends on the banquet. Very true. I've been to some that are not awesome. If it's a shitty banquet, do you think if there's good food, it makes up for it? Or do you think it's kind of like, like, I, I mean, wonder how much, how, like how big, how much do you weigh food in a banquet? You think? Oh, heavily. Because it's like banquet, you're dining. Yeah. Heavily. Yeah. That's the whole point of it. Yeah. If the food sucks then. Boo. Yeah. But that's the biggest part of a banquet. Yeah. There's no way around that. Yeah. I know you can have a doily here or there or something, but right. I don't care. Good old doily. They're not a <laughs> doily. Do not a banquet make though. No. It's been a while since I've seen a doily too. We just had this conversation a few weeks we ago. We did. Yeah. Have you ever seen that episode of Will and Grace where they're doing the gay spelling bee? Probably. But I haven't watched that show in so long. Fair. There's like an episode where they're doing a gay spelling bee and they're like, doily is the word. He's like, can you use it in a sentence? And he goes, he went along doily. <laughs> like, oh, oh, okay. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. So unsurprisingly, the county just continued to grow. So there were alterations made to the building and offices were relocated. Mm -hmm. In 1928, there was a bill that proposed a $20 million renovation to both that building and the city hall, mm -hmm. but was swiftly rejected by voters. Because that was twenty million, like I'm guessing their money. Yeah, back in the like time. it would have been yeah, um, hella expensive. Yeah, not surprised they were like, no. Yeah, that's a lot. Yeah, and what year? Wait, sorry, what year was that? 1928. Ooh, real good choice, probably. They're really good at it. all these good 
high expenditure. Yeah. <laughs> choices. Hey, big spender. <laughs> Your government. Stop. <laughs> But anyway, so in 1955, the Wayne County Hall of Justice and the county's seat of government were moved to what is now known as the Coleman A. Young Building. Oh, yeah. So part of the functionality moved there. Mm-hmm. And when they moved out, the Detroit Traffic Court and Wayne County Friend of the Court moved in, which I had to Google what Friend of the Court was. According to the Third Judicial Circuit of Michigan's website, its purpose is to, quote, Serve and educate families and assist the court in domestic matters to promote the best interest of children. Oh. So kind of like a liaison child protective. Yeah. Some kind of like families and children Mm -hmm. kind of legal. I don't know if it's like legal advice, but just kind of help them with court stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Okay. Does not have a great rating on Google though, because when I was Googling it. Oh. I saw they have a 1.4 star rating because this office still exists. Yeah. So like they said that that moved into the building and also part of the shuffle. There were renovations that were done. There were light courts, I guess, on either side of the tower that were filled in to add more space. Okay. Which I always think it interesting when like they like just fill in empty spaces that like. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So so now we're in like the mid 1900s and this is about the time when like older city buildings were kind of being taken out. Like old city hall got taken down in like the late fifties, early sixties. There was also the majestic building, which was like kind of like an early 1900s high rise. That's where Harry Houdini was or had his last performance. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that building was taken down around this time. And so like, you know, people were eyeing the Wayne County building of like, are you next? We coming down? Yeah. And like, it was starting to fall into disrepair and really was only saved by the fact that it would cost more to demolish it than it was spent to build the building in the first place. Oh. Which is crazy. Yeah. Demolishing a building costs a lot of money. Oh, yeah. It's not cheap. No. Especially like, because like there's imploding, which quick. Mm-hmm. But like. Sometimes it's not possible. I literally have to dismantle. They have to unbuild the building. Yeah. Like with Kobo. Yeah. From, yeah. Or not Kobo. I said Joe Kobo. Lewis. Joe Lewis. Yeah. Exactly what I was thinking too. Yeah. Callback. This is like the episode of callbacks. It, yeah. <laughs> the longer we go on, the more we have. Though. Yeah, that's true. Uh, so like I said, following disrepair, there was an attempt to help the building that came in September of 1974 when it was added to the State Register of Historic Places which made it eligible for tax credits, but the catch-22 being that to get the tax credits, you had to pay taxes, which the county didn't because they're the ones the taxes were being paid to. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. So. Nope. Didn't help. So Mm -hmm. they had to turn to private investors. And like I said, they moved the traffic court there. So like in this time, when you got a parking ticket in the city of Detroit, you had to go to this building, this very large once grand building. And so I have a quote from 1983 from a woman named Marge Jackson who wrote into the free press about her experience going there to pay a parking ticket. Okay. Quote, The building is a shabby hodgepodge of chipped marble and cathedral ceilings with the ambiance of a worn out elegance. Like any monument slow and going to ruin, it's sparsely inhabited. Ooh. Yeah. Had to feel weird in there then. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. 
like a little dystopian i can only yeah. imagine of just like this like old grand building because like it's very ornate on the inside too of like you know mm-hmm. oak paneling marble floors sculptures all that yeah. kind of stuff but then kind of like not maintained mm-hmm. so they just try to like improve the situation by forming the old wayne county building partnership which was formed by a commercial real estate company in Southfield called the Farbman Group. And they agreed to take control of the building, renovate and restore, and then lease the building back to the county. This was signed into effect in 1984, and the building changed hands in 1985. This private investment group decided to invest $20 million to restore the building. They went with the Detroit architectural firm Smith Hinchman and Grills and Associates which is now just known as the Smith Group. And this was significant because Grills was a partner at John Scott & Co., which was the firm that had originally designed the building, and it was thought that he had a hand in designing the original. Oh. Which is interesting. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know if he was still there. I Just kind of like the article mentioned that. And I was like, that is kind of interesting. Yeah. But I don't have too many more details. So like I said, they had slotted $20 million for the renovation. The actual price tag ended up being closer to $25 million A bit when the over. Jo- yeah. When the job was finished in 1987. Mm-hmm. And part of the renovation was to turn some of the courtyards into atriums. Which again oh. is also interesting when they do that. They kind of just like enclose an outdoor Put space. Some glass over yeah. top, yeah. One of the buildings I worked at GM had that and it was interesting. I don't mind it though, like an no, indoor, especially in Michigan. Space. Yeah, yeah, you get it all year round. Right, just makes the space more functional. Yeah. So, there was this building has a history of time capsules, which is interesting. Oh. So, to celebrate the hundred year anniversary of the cornerstone being laid on October twentieth, nineteen ninety seven, the copper box from eighteen ninety seven that served as the original time capsule was removed. And replaced the 1997 version, which contained, do you have any guesses as to what was it, they, 1997 people put in a time capsule? A NSYNC CD. That was a broad question. But so, oh, okay. But I will say there was. Well, yeah, I guess my question is, are we talking like the general public or was this like government people deciding what to put in? It didn't say, but I'll tell you. All except for one, and then I'll make you guess the last one because okay. Uh, so there was a cell phone, Red Wings memorabilia, a People Mover token, a CD-ROM of the Wayne County website from the time. <laughs> yeah, which I was like, love that. Uh-huh. And the last was like a pop culture phenomenon from the time, so something that was popping off that could fit in a time capsule in 1997 in Detroit. Yeah. Is it Detroit related or just like 1997? World. Okay. Yeah. Popping off. We've talked about it before too. Is it a food? No. I'm trying to like put myself in my 1997 shoes now. Yes. Was it a shoe? No. Not an electronic. Not an electronic. Yeah, because we got that covered with phone yeah. and a CD ROM. Yeah. There's something that people held on to thinking they'd be worth a lot of money. Is it a Beanie Baby? It is a Beanie Baby. <laughs> Call back again. Yes. <laughs> so there's a Beanie Baby in there, but it is unknown which one. But if we stick around to 2097, we'll report back then. 
Oh, because they added to it? They No, they replaced it. And like I tried the darndest to find what was in the 1897 version, but I couldn't find. Because oh, there was, I guess, another see, okay, one from yeah. like 1900 that was somewhere else in the city. So whenever oh. I tried to Google. That one came up? Yeah. Which is such a bummer. Because yeah. like, I wonder. What were like, people putting in then? Right. Yeah. How many people mover tokens do they have in there? <laughs> I'm going to say zero. Probably. <laughs> they They had horse the streetcar token yes so we're gonna go jump to the 2000 now okay we're in the new millennium okay and they were trying to make repairs to the atrium and the tower and they erected scaffolding all over the building to make the repairs but shortly after they put the scaffolding up arguments began for who was paying for the work and how much work should be done Things that should probably be decided before you start a project. Oh, uh, yeah. The argument went on until 2005. Oh, wow. At the time, then Wayne County Commissioner John Sullivan was quoted in the free press saying, quote, I'm not sure I remember what the building looks like without it. It's something that I think people have joked about for a long time, but it stopped being funny. Yeah, because now it's real. It's Real and expensive. Oh, yeah. Because every month the scaffolding was up from 2000 to 2003. That's 36 months. Uh Uh-huh. It was costing (gasps) $30,000 to maintain the scaffolding. What? In 2003, they were able to negotiate down to $20,000. That is exorbitant. Yeah. I. All because they couldn't decide who was paying for it and how much work should be done before they started. I would have gladly made the decisions for them (laughs) for that amount of money. So after all was said and done, the county spent at least $1 million on scaffolding alone on top of the $6 million they'd allotted for repairs. Wow. You know, doing the most. Almost like over 15%. Yeah. Of their total cost. No. Yeah. No, that was on top of the $6 million. Oh, they were adding a million to it. That didn't take away from it. Was it was $1 million oh, okay. on scaffolding on top of the $6 million for repairs. Oh, no. Right? Okay. Mm-hmm. So now we're getting to the beginning of the end mm-hmm. for the building. Not that it's gone. It's still there, obviously. Yeah. Like I said, as part of the original partnership, they leased the building back to the county. Mm-hmm. And there was originally a 20-year lease with the option to buy at the end of every 10 years. The lease from 1987 expired in November of 2007. The county then moved to a year-by-year plan, spending an estimated 4.6 to 6.2 million annually on rent and maintenance. Oh wow! In fact, since 1987, more than a hundred million dollars has been paid for the building. That's yeah, bonkers. This cost was cited in the decision that Wayne County made to purchase the Guardian Building downtown. And move their offices and 500 employees there. Mm-hmm. They paid $14 million for the Guardian building. Wow. Yeah. On December 3rd, 2009, the last meeting was held in the Old Wayne County building in the Hall of Supervisors. That sounds like something that would be in a building like that. Yeah. Which after that, the building was emptied and everyone moved to the Guardian. In 2010, the Free Press reported the following quote from Wayne County exec Robert Fian- Robert Fricano, quote, we're not competing against Oakland or Macomb. 
We're competing against New York, Chicago, and quite frankly, we're competing against Beijing, Dubai, and others. We wanted to make sure that anybody who walked into this building was going to be able to say, I want to do business with Wayne County. That's fair. Yeah. That was kind of like their justification. For leaving. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Fianco, Ficano, I don't, I think, Ficano Fianco, whatever his name is, went on to ju- further justify the move, saying it would save the county at least $2 million a year and, quote, that's $2 million less of employees we don't have to lay off and programs we've been able to carry on. Yeah, I mean, that makes sense. Yeah. They had a very expensive lease before. Yeah. And they went on to sue the Farben Group, actually, for $40 million oh. on the basis of alleged overcharges on rent, fraud, and failure to pay its debts for maintenance of the building. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Did they win? Do you know? Um... It kind of sounds like it's just been in like arbitration for a while. I don't think anything really ever came of it. Okay. But in 2014, the building along with a county owned parking lot was sold to a New York investment group for $13.4 million. Cheaper than the Guardian. Yeah. And it seems like their intention was to renovate for a single tenant occupancy. Okay. Also, before, like, some time between when the government moved out and this, there was a daycare building on the, or there was a daycare on the second floor. Oh, that's That was, like, random. the only thing in the building was just, like, a daycare. That's yeah. very random. Yeah. So, it was reported to the Detroit News on October 8th, 2018, that the $7 million renovation was complete after two years of work. hmm And it's still unknown if a tenant was ever found, because the building is still just kind of, like, sitting there big question mark over it you know yeah but it's been renovated so that's interesting yeah so i know i showed you one picture but i have a few more of just kind of it's crazy looking at old photos because it really was just like this massive building at the time and Mm -hmm. then just now looking at it it's kind of like this weird it's not small by any means but it's not like you know it looks small compared to a lot of the buildings around it now well because downtown got taller yeah and that was, it's not a tall building. Yeah. I think it's only like four stories. Yeah. And then like the tower part, but yeah, but it's, it's wide and short. Yeah. Yeah. Short and stout. Yeah. But that's kind of what I have on the old Wayne County building. And I've got a couple of sources, historicdetroit.org, the Detroit free press, the Detroit news, curb Detroit and a dash of Wikipedia. Wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. I think if it's the place I'm thinking of, I go by there all the time. Yeah. I, was always like what is that building for but literally <laughs> nothing right now right like i remember like when i was working at CompuWare in 2015 i'm like this is such a rant because it just like no other building in the city especially in downtown looks like that no from that time period because they no. were all yeah. it's like the last surviving so i'm kind of glad it's still there because it's like historical touch point to the city and it's got that time capsule yeah it's got to last till at least 2097 yeah the future needs to know of Beanie Babies, and I hope they have a CD-ROM to read the website. <laughs> They're and like, the what is this, a Frisbee? people still there to <laughs> put a token in. Yeah. You can't put tokens in it, I don't think, now, though. I don't what? think. Maybe you can. I don't think it's a token system now, but I might be wrong about that. What is it? Do you just, like, swipe your credit card to get on or, like, maybe, the turnstile? Or there might be. 
Or is it just like quarters? You know, I haven't been in in a while, so I don't know. The last time I remember riding the people mover. I don't think it's specific tokens. It might be quarters. Okay. I'm trying to think if I ever even wrote it when I was working in the Rensen. Mm -hmm. The last time I can remember actually getting on the people mover and riding it somewhere was when I was going to the auto show when I worked at GM, but not at the building. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It is a it's a fun ride, though. It's yeah. not like you're expecting it to get you somewhere you couldn't walk in 10 minutes. No, you're gonna be disappointed, I, yeah. but it's a great way to see the city or at least yeah. downtown. It's a novelty. It really is. <laughs> yeah, but it's there. I mean, it's probably nice in the winter. I never worked at the Rensen during the winter. I'll say. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's one of those things like it takes longer to take it somewhere than yeah. to walk to the place. So I'm always like, no. Yeah. The only time I've taken it is like uh, when I didn't live in the city and I used to do like the turkey trot, I would always go and park at Greektown Casino uh-huh. and then take the people mover over to the start point. Uh-huh. And then um, and because it was at, well, Kobo at the time. Yeah. And then take it back. Huntington Place. And then, you know, play a little bit so that my parking was OK. Yeah. <laughs> that's that the makes only sense. experience yeah. I have. That's generally where I'll park to when I go downtown is to Greek town. Well, that was good. Thank you for yeah. sharing that story. Um, definitely like, didn't know what that building was. Yeah. Like I said, like whenever I would go downtown, I'm like, what is that? Mm-hmm. And so I'm glad I have a little bit more information now. Yeah. I hope something moves into it. I mean, it probably cool office space. I'm sure something will just cause like there's, so much stuff downtown. You know what I mean? Like I could see a law firm moving in there. Okay. Yeah. Jamona, you want it? Jumana. Jumana? <laughs> Jumana? Yes, yeah, Jumana. I know it's Kerouz. The last name's Kerouz, right? I don't remember the last name off the top of my head because it's not on the poster. Injured. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Although now other lawyers are getting into injured game. Of just injured question mark. I don't think that's a new game though. I don't think she invented it. Yeah, but like she didn't invent it, but she she popularized it. She was the wallpaper of Detroit for a while. Still is. Yeah. I'd say. I don't really, really see her around kinda, as much anymore. She kind of stole that whole gig from Accidentes, which uh, is like the LA. Yeah. Like that's ever, there's always Accidentes on buses and stuff out there. All I know is that she had a fundraiser and Cher was there and I was sad I was not. Oh, I had no idea. Yeah. I had no idea. The things, you, the things that only I know. She does have a TikTok account. Really? Oh, Yeah. Interesting. I've only seen like one of them and just like passing, but yeah. I would love to just see her doing like the say so dance. That's how long it's been living on TikTok. Is like I don't know any of the dances anymore. I don't ever know the dances because I'm not on the dances side yeah. of TikTok when I'm on there. Yeah. But anyway, things other than TikTok related. Yes. Would you like to play a two truths and a lie? I absolutely would. And it did not come from mental floss. Ooh, interesting. She's different. Yeah, this came from Reader's Digest. Okay, I heard of her. At least the first part of it, and then I'm going to flesh it out a little bit with Wikipedia. Okay. So, we're actually going to talk about Wally Amos. Okay, a famous Amos? Yep. Nice. Cookies? Yep. Yes. But he actually had a totally different career previous to becoming a cookie man. Before the cookie fame? Before cookie fame. Okay. So I'm going to give you three possible previous careers and you're going to tell me which one he was. Okay. So one. one so tr- I guess this is one truth, two lies. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm into it. We have scientist, 
talent agent or a mailman? I'm going to call it talent agent. You would be correct. Woo! Yeah. So he discovered and signed acts like Simon and Garfunkel. Interesting. And he was also a talent rep for acts like Diana Ross. I know her. Sam Cook. <laughs> Sam Cook. I heard of him. And, mm-hmm, and Marvin Gaye. Heard of him too. We've talked about him before. Callback. Yeah. 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 Cause he dated uh, somebody. We've never done a Marvin Gaye episode. He's come up before though. Yeah. Cause he was married to somebody that we talked about. Now I can't remember t- who it was. I almost said Lottie the Body, but I don't think it was her. I think it was, um, oh, was it the sister? Hitsville. Um, yes, I yes. think that's what it was. Oh. Yeah. So Wallace Wally Amos Jr. He actually, he did a lot of things in his life. So he also would be like an American TV personality, entrepreneur, and an author. Uh-huh. He was originally from Tallahassee, Florida, and obviously the founder of Famous Amos Chocolate Chip Cookies. Uh-huh. And in addition to that, he also did a little, a few other food brands called the Cookie Kahuna uh-huh. and Aunt Della's Cookie Gourmet Cookie Brands. Ooh. So he actually had also dropped out of high school to join the Air Force and he served in Honolulu. Okay. And again, he was originally from Florida. He moved to New York when he was like 12 or something like that with his family and then dropped yeah. out all this. He did earn his high school equivalency diploma before he was honorably discharged from the military. Okay. He went to college to become a secretary originally. Interesting. Yes. And he took a mailroom clerk job with the William Morris Agency. And he actually became the agency's first African-American talent agent. Okay. Kind of cool. Yeah. And yeah, I think Simon and Garfunkel might have been one of his like first things that he actually signed. Love that. Yeah. And he attracted clients by sending them chocolate chip cookies with an invitation to visit him. So that's where famous Amos comes from, them cookies. Mm-hmm. And I do love them. Yeah. And actually, in, in addition to Diana Ross, he also, it was Diana Ross and the Supreme. So like the whole. Yeah. Group. Yeah. And then in 1975, a friend of his actually suggested that he set up a store to sell his cookies. And in March of that year, so pretty quickly, the first famous Amos cookie store opened in Los Angeles. Interesting. Mm-hmm. I thought it would have been here. I guess, no. He, He's not from here. I don't know why I thought he was. <laughs> we are on two truths and a lie. We are not on the Detroit story part of this. I just really, because there were so many Motown names. I'm like, oh, he must have yeah. been. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. No, I think that was all in New York. Okay. Yeah. Which, I mean, a that lot make, of yeah, That makes sense. But anyway, so he started the business with a twenty five with the help of a $25,000 loan from Marvin Gaye and Helen Reddy, which I'm not sure who Helen Reddy is, but. I'm going to look at it really quick. Oh, Helen Reddy was an Australian-American singer, songwriter, author, actress, and activist. Okay. So some people in the biz helped him out. So they must have liked his cookies. And then it began to expand. And eventually, it could be found in supermarket shelves across the United States. And he became a very well-known figure that he actually appeared in an episode of that show, Taxi. Okay. Not that show. In the show, Taxi. Yeah. In 1981, as himself. Love it. Yeah. And then he also would start doing things like paid speeches. He wrote 10 books, many of which have a self-help theme. Okay. Which is interesting, including, this is the best title ever, The Cookie Never Crumbles. Oh, of course. Mm -hmm. 
1979, a longtime friend of his who is a publicist introduced him to Literacy Volunteers of America, and he's advocated literacy and helped thousands of adults learn to read. Love that. Mm-hmm. In Because ni- reading is what? Fundamental. Fundamental. Fun. And also in 1987, he hosted a TV series designed to teach other people how to read entitled Learn to Read. <laughs> Very direct. Yeah. But due to financial troubles, he was actually forced to sell the famous Amos company. And because the name famous Amos was trademarked by the former company, he had to use the Uncle No Names Cookie Company in his as his new company name. Oh, yeah. Uncle No Name. I know. Um, what a name, though. Yeah. He wants some cookies. I got some uncles no name. Yeah. But a, a a famous Amos distributor at the time actually heard Amos on the local radio talk show and heard his story and his about his like early business success yeah. and also just him as a person. He really yeah. liked him. So he contacted him with an idea to start a new business. And in 1994, the two became partners and launched Uncle No Name Gourmet Muffins. <laughs> Love it. And they focused on fat-free, nutritious muffins at the time because it was the 90s. Yeah. And Uncle No Name soon became Uncle Wally's Muffin Company in 1999. And they've sold in more than 3,500 stores nationwide. Okay. I don't think they're in Michigan because I'm I've never seen or heard of her. And in 2014, an article in Fortune magazine basically talked about his cookie comeback and... Amos bought back his handmade cookies under a new name now, the okay. Cookie Kahuna. Okay. And these cookies were marketed in Hawaii, which makes sense yeah. based on the name. And because that's also where he's, ba- I think, been based. Uh-huh. And they come in flavors, original chocolate chip, chocolate chip with pecans, and butterscotch with macadamia nuts. Oh, love that. Mm-hmm. 2019, he was called the King of Cookies by an NBC affiliate in Las Vegas. And in 2020, Content Media Group released a documentary of the life of Wally Amos, The Great Cookie Comeback, Rebaking Wally Amos. Oh, and just a little bit, you know, he did get married in 1979 and that wife helped him later design the early merchandise and packaging for the famous Amos cookies. And he has four children, one of who actually became a musician, Sean Amos. He lived in Hawaii from 1977 until 2018. He actually currently resides in Columbia, South Carolina, where he is working on Aunt Della's cookies. Okay. Just keeps going. New cookie, cookie new cookie, new cookie. You give me cookie, I give you cookie. Cookie connoisseur. Know you know that, right? <laughs> That's I, one of my favorite was, things to say. You give me cookie, I give you cookie. What's that from? I don't think you've seen the show, so it's fine. Uh, new Girl? I watched like the first season. Okay. I, the last thing I remember is John Slattery being there. It's one of my favorite things, too. There's there's a few people in my life, you know who you are out there, that anytime the word cookie comes up in our presence, you give me cookie, I give you cookie. And you have to say it like that a few more times. Okay. Yeah. It's a Nick Miller thing. Okay. Yeah, I like, I remember when that show, because that was like 2011, 2012. Mm-hmm. It was like first coming out. Yeah. And I remember because... I was watching it. I was like up to date. Then I went and I studied abroad in Japan and just like couldn't access to six weeks. And I just came back and just like, nah, oh, like what you were talking about earlier. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Whatever. Sometimes I just things aren't worth the wait for me. And really quick, too. I just I'm sorry. I go, go, go. just yeah. want to not forget these. 
he was actually on TV shows a few times. Uh-huh. So I'm just going to list him really quickly because I just think it's so fun. He was in the Jeffersons as man number one in an episode. The taxi uh, thing came next, then learned to read. And then biography about himself in 2001. But he was also on The Office as himself. So Love it. Yeah. And he was also on, this is weird, Shark Tank. What was he pitching on Shark Tank or was he an investor? Uh, no, he was in the October 6, 2016 episode seeking $50,000 funding for 20% equity of his company, Cookie Kahuna. Okay. They all passed. Damn. And then there the, was cold <laughs> as ice. And then the 2018 documentary that I mentioned. Yeah. Yeah. So Wally Amos, I kind of love him. Yeah. <laughs> he just, I really want a cookie now. He just had to make cookies. Yeah. Andy loves reading and like helping people. Re- I just, yeah, my heart is warm and full. Same. Learning about Wally Amos. Heart is full, stomach, not so much. No, opposite actually. Yeah. Yeah. But I think we're wrapped like a famous Amos cookie kahuna. That was a, that was a given. Yeah. Whatever, <laughs> whatever kind of baked good he is peddling. We are wrapped mm-hmm. like that. A kahuna cookie. Kahuna cookie kahuna. Or- I can't remember. Della? Della, I think, um, was the most Della? recent. Yeah, I think that was the most recent. <laughs> okay. Whatever cookies peddling, yeah. that's how we're wrapped. That's the one we want. Yeah. But if you want to follow the show on social media, we've got at Detroit Strange on Instagram and Twitter, Detroit Strange on Facebook, and our email address if you ever want to drop us a line. See, I'm hip with the lingo. DetroitStrange at gmail.com. Yeah, and if you want to help support the show, like we mentioned earlier, word of mouth is great. So share yeah. share with somebody in tell your life. Tell a friend, life. tell an enemy. Whoever, doesn't tell matter. Tell a coworker. Yeah. Tell the guy in the elevator next to you. Yeah. Do it right now. Yeah. Turn to him. <laughs> Whisper in his ear softly. But not in a creepy way. No. Okay. Softly in a... Yes, because that's not creepy. Yeah. Just by nature. You can whisper softly and have it not be creepy. That's maybe. true. I don't know. I don't know. It matters on the... They were going real Just tell deep. a friend. Just tell a friend. Uh... <laughs> We've also got our Patreon. We also have our Threadless shop. And, um, you know, just a hey. Yeah. It's nice. So until next time, stay strange. This has been a production of Planet Ant Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Our theme song was recorded by Detroit's own Stacks and Violence.